0: Good morning Wow we are we're alive here at harvest this morning. Yeah I just appreciate. The way you opened your heart to worship this morning, when we do that, it makes it easier for the person beside us, and uh, you guys did that. You just really opened the heavens this morning. I'm so personally appreciative of that and just to sense God's presence as we were worshiping together. Well, this morning, uh, we have just an honor and a privilege to have uh, Pastors Caleb and Julie in the house. And uh, so the Apostle Paul, when he's writing his letters, uh, there's a verse that's always caught my attention as he was talking to some of the different churches and he said, I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your faith, which means faith makes a sound. Right? If he heard the faith. Faith makes a sound. And so this great couple, uh, I've heard about my church for a number of years now and just the great work that they're doing in Ottawa and the faith of this couple to go in and forge in and, and do things that others weren't doing. They think outside of the box. They, they just want everything that God has in his kingdom. And it's like, no holds barred, we're going for this. And I just loved hearing that about them. And recently, Uh, through a mutual friend, Pastor Andrew and Vanessa Hoyes, um, who have left Montreal, as many of us know, and we continue to support them in a new church plant. They transitioned the church resurgent in uh, the West Island, and uh, they're getting ready to launch uh, this coming September. uh, They're going to be launching uh, Resurgent uh, St. Jack's, uh, which is uh, taking uh, Jacksonville and um, St. Augustine, those two places, yeah, and they they kind of coined this name, the region in between is what they're targeting. I was on the phone with uh, Pastor Andrew this just past week, and he, uh, he just prophesying over me and blessing harvest, and so I want you to know we're still walking with that great couple, and we'll bring you some reports as uh, they, they become aware. But through that relationship, got to meet this couple and not just hear about their faith, but realize there was a kinship of our hearts and that um, as I look across the kingdom, I wanna bless every single church. This uh, January, uh, Father Matt Brene will be here preaching and uh, that's a church that we bless. We, We bless every expression of the kingdom. But we also look for churches that we want to build with. That there's a, there's a camaraderie, a kinship, uh, a similarity. Uh, there's something, there's a res, something that resonates in the spirit. And I definitely sense that all over this couple. And so I'm like, you got to come to Harvest. we got to make this connection. Would you stand to your feet uh, today? Would you honor Pastor Caleb and Julie today? They're both going to come and say hi.
1: Thanks, man. Come on, Harvest. Give it up for your pastor. Pastors, Roy and Chris, we just love you guys. And it's always been a pleasure to get to know you more and more. And uh, hey, babe.
0: I I, I was down front and Roy's like, you're going up. I was like, okay, so I'm just, I'm not going to take his time. I'm just honored to be here. I've already cried. I should have worn waterproof mascara. You probably all know that by now, but what a beautiful house and what an incredible honor it is to see the home that you have built for so many and many more to come. I believe that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you.
1: Oh, good. All right, see you later. I guess you really didn't want to be up here with me. But uh, it's good. Hey, just just want to say it has been a real privilege getting to know you guys. And we as well have heard of your faith. As a matter of fact, I was saying to my wife, I've actually seen your videos online. I always thought to myself, man, where is that place? And I put it together, it's here. It's. I was like, oh, that's Cornwall. Like, that's crazy. So you guys, as a matter of fact, you're making impacts on... On online, more than you may realize, because I've come across your stuff and not realized it was you guys. And so, really, really cool. But it's been a pleasure to get to know you both. It's inspiring to see what you've built. I mean, Chris, running that school next door, I mean, come on, that is so cool, isn't it? And um, and so, I would gladly spend any afternoon eating another steak with you guys. And um, so, listen. all the way from Ottawa, my wife and I are here. Our four kids are back home. I got a boy and three girls, and so pray for us. Um, I always tell my wife, I'm like, man, I feel like you're using me for my body. But anyways, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. This is just preacher talk we do to warm up the crowd, I guess. But um, hey, look. I would love to dig into the Word of God with you guys this morning, and I just want to say what a real honor and a privilege it is to be speaking here. I've actually run into some really, some new faces and some old faces up in this, in this congregation here today, and so um, I just want to say what, it's just so good to see so many of you guys, and so I feel like you guys are kind of like extended fam now, and so let's just get right to it. Let's open up the Word of God together, but I do want to say it's a real honor to be able to speak to your church here today, and I never take it for granted uh, that the platform, a platform Like this represents faithfulness. And um, I just want to just honor that here today. Um, all right, if you got your Bibles, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I believe that this is a word. But I was talking to Pastor Roy. I said, hey, what kind of things have you been kind of circulating lately? And he's talking about miracles in the month of November, at least. I was supposed to be here with you in November. Forgive me. I came down with the, yeah, yeah, I don't know, the kids brought home pink eye. Okay? I'd never even heard of this stuff. And let alone got it in my own eyes. And so I found myself, man, just not able to see very well for a better part of two and a half weeks. I got a real good, you know, dose of that. And so... I would love it if you would today, allow me the privilege to speak to you around miracles. Because back at my church, it's been really amazing the season that we're in. We've been seeing miracles break out and break forth in our season. And it's been amazing. We've seen epilepsy healed. There's a random, uh, uh, where this woman, look at this, she was, Put into the hospital because of how many epileptic seizures she was having. She was having about two to three, uh, you know, a day, okay? Now, for most people who have a bad set of, you know, dose or, you know, about with epilepsy, you'd have two to three in a month, right? She was having two to three a day, and she gets put in the hospital, and she is miraculously healed, though, in our services the day before she's basically um, put in the hospital to be, you know, basically watched for the better part of two weeks, Well, over the better part of the two weeks, when she leaves our services the day before, she doesn't have a single uh, seizure that entire time. They give brain scans of her, and it's hilarious. They take an eight-second brain scan on the bottom of her brain scans. It it has a code. It always has these, like, it's a moving code. But over the eight seconds that she got her brain scan, it said the word God at the bottom with a clear uh, you know, brain scan. Come on, somebody. And so we just laughed. She came up in front of our church and gave a bit of a testimony, and we just laughed. We're like, that is hilarious. It's, it's God has a sense of humor. He even signs his signature at the bottom in a weird way, you know, and, and so we're just like, man, thank you, God. You know, we've seen somebody else healed of a head trauma um, where they were in, uh, you know, working in a home, and they basically got, uh, you know basically thrown around a bit, and got a head concussion that was so bad that they were off work for the better part of six, seven months, and they were miraculously healed in services lately. Um, we've had other people who have like leg traumas healed, shoulder traumas healed. This really cool one was another lady who had a, a crazy neck uh, trauma to her, to her neck. She was in a very bad car accident when she was 20 years old. She's now well into her 40s, and um, she hasn't been able to have mobility in her neck. Well, she was sitting in our services And all of a sudden, she felt this warmth go through her neck just while the services were happening. I think we are probably joking around and doing something ridiculous, like talking about, you know, I don't know, something probably inappropriate. And so, you know, and just doing some ridiculous stuff, you know. And, And basically, she's healed. In that moment, she stands up and she goes... I can move my neck. I can move it back and forth. I have full mobility. And she starts to weep. Her husband, get this, the night before, was talking about how skeptical he was of all the healing. He's like, man, I don't know about this stuff. Unless it happens in my own family, I don't know. And there she was, completely healed. And she and her husband both weeping the next day in church, because this is over the uh, breadth of a weekend. So on the Sunday morning, they were in church, just weeping and having a great time. It's just amazing, isn't it, how God is? And so... You know, we're really grateful to see the, the many things that God's said. But I just believe that as we're here today, maybe you need something in your own life. Well, I, I'm believing that you're going to go and you're going to get a miracle here today. Because if God can do it in Ottawa, man, he can do it in Cornwall. I know he's not, he's not limited to a geographical location. And so 2 Kings chapter 4, let's read the Bible together. Because if all else fails and Caleb fails here today, at least we read the Bible, okay? So we're going to do something well. 2 Kings chapter 4 says, A certain woman of the of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and this creditor and a creditor is now coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, well, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Well, your maidservant has nothing in the house. I mean, but a jar of oil. So then Elijah said to her, Well, "'Go, borrow each of your vessels from everywhere, from your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few, and when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and you shall pour out into these vessels and set aside the full ones.'" So when she went out from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, she poured it out. "'Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, "'Bring me another vessel.'" And his son, her son looked at her and said, well, mom, there's, there's not another vessel. And so the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, now go sell the oil and pay off your debt, and you and your sons go live off the rest. Come on, would you just bow your heads with me in prayer here this morning, just for a quick moment. We're gonna ask God to unpack this scripture to us, to illuminate its pages to us, to illuminate the truths from it. And that I'm just praying that it's gonna bless somebody in my hearing here today, whether you're in the room or you're online, a big special welcome to everybody there as well. I do wanna keep you from this great moment that God's gonna do here today. But Father, we thank you so much for what it is you're gonna do in our midst here today. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be found in Cornwall here today and to be delivering your word. God, I pray that as I communicate your the, the, the timeless truths of your word, God, God, that you would speak to people in the, in the situations and the circumstances they find themselves in. God, I pray that you do exceedingly, abundantly above anything we could ask, think, or imagine and here. God, would you walk in amongst your people? And even as we preach, even as we're doing stuff, would you begin to heal people? Would you begin to break through, bring breakthrough for people? Would you begin to do the supernatural, miraculous things that only you can do, God? And so, God, whatever it is that people are sighing about in their heart, whatever it is that people are crying about over their health or, or, or mental state, whatever it is that it is a financial situation, if it's a health situation, if it's a marriage situation, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do in moments like these. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. amen. Well, let's open up the text a little bit. Let's discuss it a bit. It says the wives, a certain a, a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, that's obviously a school, it's like a, it was a group of prophets that ran around Israel, of the sons of the prophets. She cried out to Elijah, the head of that group, saying, your servant... Uh, Your servant, my husband, your servant, because he's a staff member to Elijah, my husband is dead. And you know, because he walked with you and worked with you, you know that he was a God-fearing man and that the creditors are now coming to take my two sons, to be slaves. What we learn from the text is that this guy was, again, one of Elisha's staff members. He likely followed him around and helped facilitate much of the ministry that he did as he ran around Israel. And whether he was speaking to three kings, like the previous chapter of 2 Kings chapter 3, or if he was healing people or causing axe heads to rise up out of the water, this man was there for it. But calamity, as according to this text, came to this man's home. I suppose it just goes to show somebody here, it doesn't matter how God-fearing you are, it doesn't matter how great your faith is, our faith does not insulate us from having hard times at, you know, in life. Our faith is, as much as we may think faith ought to insulate us from things, I suppose it just goes to show you that our faith doesn't keep us from experiencing hardship and hardship hitting our lives. If anything, I've learned that our faith actually doesn't keep us from tough times, but it does help us get through those tough times, in Jesus' name. And so we've discovered that the nature of faith doesn't necessarily insulate us, but nevertheless, we find that this woman, her husband had died, and I guess you could say that the life of this particular prophet wasn't exactly very profitable. <laughs> Profit, Profitable, anyways. Uh, and as a result, we're now, she's now carrying a measure of debt. She doesn't feel like she has the resources to deal with it, and so she makes mention of the creditors coming to take her children, because back in that day, it was a law that if you owed a debt, that they could come and seize your children to help work off that debt. It wasn't an ethical law, but it was a legal one nonetheless. And so this woman you could appreciate was in a dire situation. She found herself in a pinch church okay, because she was literally already, it was bad enough that she suffered and was suffering the loss of her husband, whom she loved and whom she leaned on heavily, but now she stood to lose much more. She stood to lose everything she had in her life, even her own two sons, who would provide for her a form of future security, if you will, by providing for her, and so here she is in this situation. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but sometimes, isn't it crazy how life doesn't accommodate your crisis, Come on, somebody. Don't you just wish you could say to the universe, like, hey, could you just hold up? I'm having one of those days. Just give me a minute. I need a hot minute. Like, come on, somebody out there. You know what I'm saying. Don't you wish that life would accommodate your crisis? But it doesn't. And so this woman finds herself with bills way past due and without the means to come and meet them. And so she is, in a, and so what does she do? She says she runs herself to the only man she knows who to run herself to. She runs herself to the man of God. Would you help me? And so Elisha, it says, responds, Well, what shall I do for you? Verse two. He says, So what, what shall I do for you? It almost reads as though Elisha, even when I read that, what shall I do? What shall I do for you? It almost reads like is about to bust open his checkbook and right away her right away worries. What shall I do for you? But yet, before she even has the the opportunity to respond to the question, he does this weird pivot, and he, he asks a question to his own question. He says, what shall I do for you? Tell me, have you got nothing in your own house? Now, I don't know if you see what he's up here today, what he's up to here today, but I actually think that Elijah is actually deflecting. He's actually... Almost as if he's trying to be like, hey, you know, like, I want to put your eyes back on yourself and away from me. And let me tell you the reason why I think he's doing this. Because I think that for many believers, when we grow disillusioned when crisis hits our lives because we often make the mistake of building dependency and unhealthy dependency and leaning our whole faith on a leader and not on the Lord. I don't know if you've noticed, but in today's world, there kind of seems to be a changing of the guards. And there's a lot of Christians who are disillusioned because they've propped up and built their whole faith on a leader. Here's the problem, however. When that leader decides not to meet your expectations in the way that you think he should, or they should, or she should, when they don't show up for you in the way that you think they should, when they, they offend you or they disappoint you when they say the th- wrong thing, hello. It's like, mask, no, don't mask. I'm anti-vax, I'm for the, uh, come on somebody. You couldn't, you were losing no matter what in that season, Okay. <laughs> It's like, you lost, okay? You're gonna take the L, or you're not gonna help everybody, and please everybody. And so if they they got up in your grill in a certain way, what I've noticed is there's a falling away happening because many people, while they go offended with a leader, they stop going to church altogether, and I'm thinking, why? Because I think that many people lean their faith on a leader and not on the Lord. And so when they leave the leader, they don't just leave church, they leave the Lord as well. And that's why I love what Elijah's doing here. He's like, hey, so what shall I do for you? What do you want? Have you got nothing in your own house? Because really, what he's getting at is something much deeper. Elisha was looking to—he perf- wasn't looking to perform a miracle for her. Because I think he was actually making sure she didn't build an unhealthy dependency upon him and her day of trouble. He responds to a question with a question, almost if, almost as if to say, hey, listen, I understand you've got some problems, but this one ain't mine, okay? And you need to learn how to deal with this yourself. And so he. He says sir have you got nothing in your own house to deal with this again back on you away from me back on you because let's remember the whole premise of this woman's problem was predicated on the fact that the provider of her home was now dead The husband whom she loved and leaned heavily upon was no longer there. And I think Elisha knew that if she stood any chance of getting through this season and standing back up on her own two feet, he knew if he wasn't gonna be the the, the man that her husband was, if he he knew that he didn't wanna sit in that same capacity as he once did in her life, then he could not allow her to lean on him and leech off him. Otherwise, it would be creating an unhealthy dependency upon him. She would be coming back to him again and again. Every time something happened in her life, she'd keep running back to him again and again and I've seen some people in church like pastor can you pray for me? I'm like again you want me to pray for you I just prayed for you last week man you came to the altar last week I'm like they come back and they got saved every single week for 10 weeks I was like look 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 like we need to sort this out go back to your own seat and pray God hears you but not only hears you preacher you know they'll come up to guests and it's funny Roy it's like guest ministries sometimes they think they have something more than than what the 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 father of the house has come on let me assure you we don't your pastor is anointed and here's the thing what we we're not someone special we're just we're not God's picture-perfect people of the planet we're just another you know by the grace of God I am what I am you know what I'm saying and and here's what I need somebody up in here to understand wouldn't it be amazing if we all learned that we have access to God that we can get our God can do something in our own lives. That's not to say that we ought not to be led by leaders and look to leaders, but we ought not to lean on leaders in an unhealthy way in Jesus' name. We always gotta lean up and prop our faith on Jesus. In Jesus' name. And I don't know who I'm speaking to here today, but maybe, just maybe, like Elijah, you need to learn that good leaders like Elijah, they don't just swoop in and save the day every time an issue arises. Come on, somebody. It's like, they don't just swoop in and save the day every time, you know, an an issue arises. And I don't know who I'm speaking to, but maybe you're wondering, man, why can't my team seem to think, why can't they seem to think for themselves? Man, why do my kids feel like they're always all over me and they can never seem to sort that out? Can you not go to the fridge and get your own thing? Can you not put the toast in there and just spread that butter? Come on, you're eight years old. You can clean up after dinner. How many of you guys know your husband can pick up the towel? He can do this. But you gotta stop doing that for him. Come on, somebody, Don't elbow him. Don't look to your right or to your left. Come on, just look straight right now, okay? Look straight. But here's what I need somebody up in here to understand is that if you want to stop having people be so dependent on you, can I just encourage you to maybe make yourself a little less available. See, Elijah was trying to push himself back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I see what you need. I see how hard you're coming at me because you think I got something that you think I have that, that you need. But no, no, no. You can do this. And sometimes I, I think that the greatest thing that you can do for people is learn that your job is not to provide all the answers. That you can actually say no. That you can actually get to the place where you go, you know, look, it's like I understand that you have a great urgency, but you, sometimes we just need to drop the cape. Stop saving the day. Stop putting out, out everybody's fires. Understand that, I, I understand that this woman had an urgency, right? But that was not, as we see, Elisha's Emergency. You hear what I'm saying? And so in that moment, Elijah teaches us that mentoring people, it's not fighting their battles, it's not solving their problems, it's not fixing their issues. Oh, I don't know who I'm setting free here today, but maybe you need to learn how to say no. I know that some of you in the room have wanted to say no, but you're like, man, I can't because I'm related to them. You know? (laughs) I want to say no, but no, I can't because I grew up with them. I can't say no, I'm in love with them. I can't say no because, gosh, I feel so bad. I, I feel like I... They feel like they can't help themselves. I need to do something, but come on, just do me a favor right now. Everybody together, just shout out, no. Yeah, there you go. Come on, harvest, let's go. Come on, everyone say no one more time. Yeah, I just feel it. I feel like somebody is already getting set free right now. There's somebody that's so liberating, okay? But here's the idea, is that wisdom sometimes means Wisdom demands that you learn how to say no sometimes. Because mentoring people, as I've discovered, it doesn't mean that you deliver people. No, our job is to develop people, but it doesn't mean you're to deliver people. And I know I've been working with my own daughter as of late. She's been coming into our, uh, wait, that clock's going up. I just noticed. So I don't know what time I'm working off of, guys. Forgive me, but uh, you're gonna have to just help me out there. I just realized, I'm like, man, I'm getting, I got so much time, and I was like, this is going up. but I've been working with my daughter as of late. My, my, my little daughter, Abby, she's been, we've been trying to help her to know what to do when things go down in her life. As of late, she's been having these bad dreams, talking about these big giants hanging out in our garage in the middle of the night. I'm like, what? So, you can imagine she runs into my room and she taps us and wakes us up, and she's all emotional and flustered. She's like, I'm having a bad dream. There's something in my room, under my bed, or in my, you know, in the garage. And I'm thinking, oh, and, and, and any given night, every second night, whatever it is, my wife and I, we're waking up in the middle of the night. We're like, eh, and we're like delirious, and we're taking authority, and we're binding things in the name of Jesus. And we've been doing this consecutively for a little while now until recently. You see, until recently, she came in, and this is like, this is where, the, this is where the, the spirit of Elisha came over Caleb. Okay, and I was like, you know, Abby, you know that I love you, but no, not today. I was like, you know, Abby, I understand why I think you're coming to mommy and daddy because you think that we got the oil that you need. You think that we got the authority that you don't have. But here's the reality. You need to go back to your room. You need to go, hey, do you have, What shall I do for you? Have you got nothing in your own bedroom and in your own heart and your own house to help you deal with this issue? Come on, Abby, go back to your room. Close the door and pray and learn how to take authority over this. Because here's the thing, I don't teach my kids that giants aren't real. I don't teach my kids that dragons aren't real. I just teach them how to slay them in Jesus' name. I'd rather do that. And so I I teach my kids about the authority that we have in Jesus and that there are demonic forces that try to disrupt your rest. But the Lord gives his beloved sleep. And so I said, come on, go and know that Jesus is with you. Learn us. and sure enough, she went back to her room and she hasn't had a nightmare since. Come on, somebody. And this is what I love about Elisha because he's he's saying here, you know what's better than here, let me do it for you, is go figure it out when you're developing a mature and capable believer. And sometimes I think we do ourselves a disservice when all we do is always answer everything you need, do everything for you. You know, when we have platform-driven churches where they, they, they used to go, oh man, it's all taken care of, so I'll just come and observe. Now come on, somebody, you're here to serve in Jesus' name, not observe. We're here to get, partner together our faith and to see God do exceedingly abundantly above be any, anything we can ask, think, or imagine. Come on, so that's why today, I, I don't know about you, but th- in this moment, I think that sometimes in churches, we're so good at preaching you comfortable. We wanna comfort you. And and no doubt, church is a place to be comforted in a time of distress, but it's also a place to be challenged. And sometimes I wonder if we don't wanna, if we don't get good at preaching people and making them comfortable in their dysfunction. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we don't preach people comfortable in this. But what if God, you know, what if, you know, we often have this notion, like, yeah, come on, pastor, like, preach the word, make me feel good, like, feel good messages. But here's a question for you. What if God doesn't want to comfort you in your dysfunction? What if he wants to challenge you beyond your dysfunction and help you discover the power inside of you to do what you never knew you could do? Come on, somebody. Because our God is big, and I think that's exactly what Elisha's working toward. He's trying to help you just grow. He wanted to develop the size of this woman's understanding of who God was and who, who the, the God that lived inside of her. And so thank God for leaders that don't just give you the answers all the time. Thank God for people and leaders who know and have developed the ability to say no. I'm not going to do that for you. You need to go get this on your own. And that's why I want to call, call this message, you know, go get your own miracle. Go get your own miracle, because that's essentially what Elijah is saying. He's like, "No, no, listen, you can go, but get your own miracle. I got no, you go get your own miracle, okay? And I don't know who this is for here this morning, but it is entirely possible here today that you've been looking for others to do for you what God has been desiring to do through you, and you'll never learn how to get your own miracle if you keep looking. For others to do for you what God is wanting to do through you and with you in Jesus' name. So come on, would you turn to your neighbor and and just give them my sermon title? Would you tell them, hey, I love you, but go get your own miracle. Yeah, touch three people say, go get your own miracle. Yeah, go get your own miracle. And so here we find that Elisha. He basically says to this woman, yeah, go get your own miracle. It's time for you to mature. It's time for you to grow up. And he essentially starts to walk her through a series of instructions to follow, like go borrow vessels and all these, go into your house, shut the door. It's literally a blueprint to a breakthrough in her life. And so today, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but if there's somebody in here who's believing for a miracle, who who wants to receive a miracle, if there's somebody wanting a miracle in in here this morning, I would love nothing more than to teach you how to get your own miracle and walk you through the blueprint to Elisha's breakthrough. Number one, it would be don't go looking to others to do for you what God wants to do through you. Number two, it would be know what you got is significant. Come on, can you turn to your neighbor and say, what you got is significant? So Elisha says to her, what shall I do for you? And He says, tell me, what do you have in your house? And she says, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Did you notice that her first instinct when the prophet says, what do you have in your house is to say nothing? Like how often do we undervalue and, and devalue what God has given us? You know, this woman, she looks back at everything she had. She looks back at a house full of stuff. She goes, I got nothing. I could almost imagine the prophet looking back at her as if to say like, with a facial expression, as if to say like, really, like nothing? You know, like you got nothing in there. You know it reminds me of recently my son he was down in uh his room he has a little video gaming corner in there and so he the neighbors were over and they were hanging out for a few hours playing something and um it led to a certain series of events where the neighbors started rummaging through some of his card collections in his closet and he goes hey i see you got a, a whole stack of pokemon cards like pokemon like what is pokemon okay like uh, from what I've learned is some intergalactical nerd thing from Japan okay that people do and it's basically these monsters that attack one another and it's a quest to be the best okay and so awesome but he's like yo like my son bought these when he was really young and he loves them and he just kind of sits there he doesn't really play the game at all I don't even know how you do this thing and for anyone who's wondering how you play I don't know I don't even know what it is so just welcome to my wife you know like I have no idea what this is but what the kid ends up telling my son, he goes, did you know that those cards are worth quite a bit of money? And he goes, oh, really? He goes, this card right here, look at it. So that's on his phone. 750 bucks. I was like, whoa. I was like, so, and my son comes barreling up the stairs. He's like, Dad, look. The card's seven. I'm like, can't be. So he's like, let's just put it on Kijiji for a second, see what happens. I kid you not, within five minutes, where did you get that? We'll come right now. Can we buy it? And I was like, take it down quick. It's worth way more than 700 bucks. <laughs> No way somebody would come to our house in five minutes to get that card if it was worth, it's worth more in Jesus' name. Take it down. I'm like, what do you have? I see, I didn't even know what we, and here my, my daughters were going through those same card collections, ripping them, tearing them, putting their drinks down on them. He would take them to school and leave half of them there because he be like, ah, oh, whatever. Trade them. Here's some kids in his schoolyard are trading 70 cent, like, like two, $300 cards for a 70 cent card, not having any idea what they had. I wonder how many of you are trading off the things that God's given you because you don't know what you have. You don't know what you have. And hear this woman. What do you have in the house? I got nothing. Awkward stare, silence as the prophet looks back at her like nothing. I mean, I suppose it's not nothing. I do have this little jar of oil and he looks back at her and he goes, oh, so that's not nothing then, right? I mean, I suppose you're right. It's not nothing, right? It's not nothing, but I bet you she intimated this this much with her facial expression, but it's not much. It's not nothing. It's just not much, Elijah. It's not nothing, but it's just not that notable, Elijah. And in this moment, I feel like you need to be so careful that you do not belittle what little God may have given you. Do not allow the size of what God's given you to determine the significance of what God's given you. It's important that you understand that here today because it's not about the size of the gift that determines the size of the blessings. It's not the size of your oil that determines the size of the spoils you'll take from it. It's not about how well educated you are. It's not how much salary you have. It's not how much influence or the size of the gathering reflective of even your estimation of yourself. When God gifts you something, friend, well if you've got a gift, when God gifts you something, it's significant. It doesn't matter how little or how large. I want you to know something here today. It's significant. And it, so it's, it might not be much in your eyes, but it's not nothing. And here's the problem in today's society. In today's society, you got a gift, but the problem is we got so many ways of checking on other people's oil and jars of oil. And so we have this thing called social media. It's the nemesis of our society. Because what happens is you get on social media and you'll start to belittle what little you have because you're making the mistake of comparing what you have against the magnitude of somebody else's ministry or against the success and the size of someone else's success or you'll start comparing the gifts that god gave that guy or the gifts that god gave that girl and all of a sudden you start to minimize your supply and it's a dangerous place to be friend it's a dangerous place to be friend because, oh, uh, where did I have that here? I don't know what I said. But sometimes you can start to minimize your supply. You can look at the, you, like what you have. It's like with scarcity. Oh, here it is. Because sometimes when you're overwhelmed with what you need, you can overlook what you have. You can get caught up by your scarcity and begin to minimize your supply. This woman, she was so overwhelmed with what she had lost in her life that she could not see what she had left in her life. But what you got is significant. It might be little, but our God can do a lot with a little. I can show you through the pages of the Word of God. Samson, jawbone of a donkey. Remember, slayed a thousand Philistines with one insignificant dried-up carcass bone of a jaw of a donkey. Come on, how many of you guys know God is specializes in using jaws of donkeys like you and you and I to slay thousands for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name? All right, He can do a lot with a little. Hey, David and Goliath was a classic case of small versus big. What about the unnamed boy with the, with the five loaves and two fish that led a, con- a little lunch bag contribution and it had great significance? Or what about this? What about the time that God decided to free the, the nation of Israel from the Midianite oppression? Do you remember when he did that? Who did he, who did he come to? He went to Gideon, Judges chapter six. It's in your Bible, check it out, right? And who was Gideon but the smallest man? Right, from the smallest family, of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. He was the smallest man, smallest family, smallest of the tribes of Israel, and yet God chose him. Why? Because I just think that God likes to show that he can do a lot with a little. He gets the greatest glory from the more impossible the situation becomes. And even when Gideon was nearly ready to fight, he had a large army that, mind you, was already outnumbered four to one. He had 32,000 men, and God says, not too much. He shrunk it down to 10,000. And at 10,000, God looked back at him and says, all right. And Gideon's like, okay, sweet, that's enough, God, right? And he goes, yeah, you know what? You might still take credit for the victory that I'm about to give you, so let's take it down again. He's like, "Why? No, you gotta be kidding me. 300 men. I don't know who I'm speaking here to today, but is there anybody here that feels and can relate to Gideon? It feels like you've been reduced down to nothing in this season. Is there anybody here who maybe you feel like you don't have the army that you once had, you don't have the resources that you once had, maybe you don't have the strength or the confidence that you once had, but I feel like God's getting ready to get some glory out of your story here today because he's trying to get someone to understand that it's like he can do a lot with a little. And that's why I feel like I came to remind someone, don't let the size determine significance size your team the size you're following the size your influence the size your salary don't let the size of what God's given you determine the significance of what God's given you our God can do a lot with a little he can do a lot with a little and I know you see I'm concerned because when you look at the Israelites and why they were rejected from the promised land you remember why they were rejected right because they went to a land filled with giants large big things and they said oh my gosh we're like grasshoppers in their eyes we're we can't do what god's called us to we're too little they said you know what we need to throw off in the church is that l- the limitations of little we need to stop thinking so small of what god can do in us and through us because you don't think that what you have is significant come on somebody and i'm not here denying that what you have might not be much just like i'm not denying that what this woman had wasn't all that much But the word of the Lord to somebody here today is, is this, it was actually enough. Actually, the Bible tells us it was more than enough because not only did she pay off her debts, but she went and sold it and lived off the rest for the rest of her life. Come on, somebody. So it may be a little, but it's enough in Jesus' name. And I, I don't know who it is here that I'm speaking to, but I, can I encourage somebody not to despise your oil? Come on, have you checked your oil lately? Because that oil represents the Holy Spirit. That oil is the anointing of God. And I'm not talking about something, therefore, that you have stored up in your kitchen pantry, guys, that you're cooking your fried chicken with. I'm talking about something you don't have stored up in your house. I'm talking about the oil you got stored up in your heart. It's the gift of God. It's the the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is given to us on the day of Pentecost. It is the anointing that goes, now go forward and be my witnesses unto the end of the earth. You have that anointing. First John 2:20 says, you have been given an anointing, a special touch from the Holy One. You got two things, an anointing and you got the touch. Come on somebody. And some of you are looking at yourselves like, nah, I don't feel like what I got is all that significant. Friend, and I just want to encourage somebody here today, that you've got an anointing. You've got the oil. It may just be, your name means Christian, right? Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means anointed. Tien means little. We are each Christians, little anointed ones. And God's been doing great things to Christians from the beginning of time. And so I just came here to remind somebody. Just remember, the devil, you know, what would be one of the greatest strategies of the devil? Would it not be to remind you that what's in you and on you is insignificant? If he knew that he couldn't steal your oil, that the gifts and the callings of God in Romans eleven twenty nine 29 were irrevocable, right? The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. If you knew he couldn't come up and, and get in tamper with that, what would he try to convince you of? That maybe what you have in you and on you is so insignificant, so small, so little, that it could never make a difference in your life, let alone the lives of someone else. Maybe that's why we struggle. To exercise great faith in environments like this. Maybe that's why we struggle to believe that God could do something of great significance in us and through us, because if you don't believe that God's given something of significance to you, why would you ever believe that God could do something of significance through you? Yeah. Come on, am I talking to anybody here today? And do you understand that you've been gifted a measure of faith and of oil here today? Because if you don't and, and see what you have as a gift, you won't protect it, you won't guard it, you won't work it, you won't appreciate it. You'll do what this woman did. You'll run to other people you feel like have the gift and the oil that you need. You'll be so enamored with what they have, you would not appreciate what God has given you. And a friend, you'll never get your miracle doing like that. And so I don't know who this is for. I don't know what's in your hand. I don't know what it is you're minimizing right now. I don't know what it is that you've been devaluing. But what you got... Is significant don't put a limit on what God can do through you because of the little you believe he gave to you number th- three you got to work what you got check this one out then he said go borrow vessels from everywhere from all your neighbors empty vessels do not gather just a few can I take a moment right now to speak to you about the value of preparation because here this prophet he's helped the woman discover that she had the potential she had some oil she had the potential to change her circumstance. Come on, is there anybody in here this morning at the sound of my voice who's grateful for a leader that once helped you discover a pot full of untapped potential in your life? She's got a pot full of oil. And here this woman's discovered that she, through the help of the prophet, she's got the potential. She held the possibility of change in her house and it had been there all along. But here's the key. You gotta work what you got. You gotta learn to make the most of what you've been given if you wanna see that miracle. Because the level, the magnitude of your miracle, you will determine the magnitude of your own miracle by the level of faith that you exercise in what God's given you and the word across your life. You know, I've been thinking about my son. He, uh, he signed up for a, a school talent show, and, you know, it makes me think about how typically we as people, we often love, you know, the promises of God, we just don't like the process of God. But to every promise, there is a process. To every promise, there is a season of preparation. It's the digging the ditches of 2 Kings chapter 3. I don't know if you know what I'm following here. But you got to dig some ditches. you got to do some, you know, if you, I often say it like this. If you want to experience a faith that works, you got to put your faith to work, right? And so you don't just sit idly by waiting for Jesus to do it. There's a partnership. There's a response required. you got to do the work. And so, I, I, I think that for many of us, we love the promises, we don't like the process. We love the success, we don't like the sacrifice. We love the reward, we don't like the responsibilities. We want the gym, we want the gains, but we don't want the pain and the discipline of going through. In other words, you love the result, you just don't want the gym routine, you know what I'm saying? And I'm convinced it stems from this notion of today where we're plagued with it, is this insta-world that we live in, and this snap-and-upload culture that we find ourselves you know, navigating these days, People upload photos faster than you can blink and what happens is it gives off this deceptive nature where you don't realize that behind every photo was a very real behind-the-scenes because everybody hi- just posts their highlight reels. There's a very real process and journey of behind-the-scenes in this person's life. And the deceptive nature of the instant world that we live in is that its effective way of hiding what things truly cost, be it success, reward, promise. We see you know promises more like a post than we do a process. You know, my son, he signed up for a you know uh, an elementary school talent show. Signed himself up. We came home in, and Julie and I were so proud. We're like, really, he did that? He's like, yeah, I want to sing. I'm like, whoa, okay. You didn't even any coursing. He's just like, I'm in. Let's do this. I'm like, all right. He's like, Justin Bieber. I'm coming for you. I'm like, all right. So, and so. You know, he gets up there, and we, we and our whole staff, we'd pile into this gymnasium. I gotta be honest, watching an elementary school talent show was as about entertaining as counting blades of grass, okay? It's like, oh, okay, sweet, when's my kid gonna be up there? Okay, let's get to this, all right? It's, uh, you can only handle so many versions of Old Town Road being performed by the teachers and the students, you know? So, and so, finally, Judah gets up. He crushes it, right? He, the, the whole, I mean, he became a little ladies' man, and Carol's chasing around the schoolyard the rest of the year. I was like, bah, oh, way to go, bro, okay, good job. But you know what I, I learned? I don't know if you guys got the photo up there about him singing. If you could put it up, that'd be great. But before my son ever sang to a room full of students, he first sang to a room full of stuffies. And I don't know if you can see that very well, but here's the deal, is that my son knew that if he was gonna crush his recital, his recital had hinged and was continued upon his rehearsal. The preparation. You know, when you see a movie, it's often so many hours per every second of the movie that you're watching, of preparation and hard work behind the scenes, for every worship team, for every preach. You know, you want the stage, you gotta commit to the study. I think it's good for some of us here to realize that if you want, you know, we all want the promise. We don't want the process. We all want the, the success. We don't want the sacrifice. Hey, come on, preachers. We want the stage. We just don't want to commit to the study all the time. Yeah. But if you want to do great things for God, you got to understand that we serve a God. It's good to remember we serve a God of the stuffies, not just the God of the stage. We serve a God of behind the scenes, real life preparation, digging ditches or collecting jars. Because in this woman's life, it was the amount that she would collect would reflect what she expected. We'll get to that in a moment. But you know, if potential is fleeting if it's not taken advantage of, friend, what are you doing with what you got? If it's not maximized, not executed, it's not fully used, good God, what good is potential without preparation? Would you shout it with me right now? Say potential. Because I've met all kinds of people with all kinds of talent, brilliant minds, people who could buy, sell, draw. You know, they could build, you name it. These people were brilliant. And you know what, it's interesting to me that sometimes they should have been, you'd think they should be killing it, they should be succeeding, they should be taking ground and doing all these great things, but they were working dead-end jobs, just hardly scraping by. And you might think to yourself, like I did, man, how did a guy or a gal like you end up in a place like this? I'll tell you how, it's because they didn't learn how to steward the gift that they were given. They didn't know what to do with what they had. You know, I wonder, and here, if you've realized that there's nothing worse than Watching people with great potential and promise across their lives squander because they didn't learn the first discipline of preparation because they never learned the value of hustle and hard work. Elisha shows us that's how you steward the potential across your life that actually determines whether you're going to be successful or not. You're going to learn to make the most of what you've been given. And here's the truth. God gives us all an opportunity here today. But what are you doing with God's giving you? Ain't it amazing some people got the same 24 hours in a day? We all got the same amount of time. It's like we all got the same amount, same amount of hours as Beyonce does, guys. Some of us step into our promise and some of us don't. You can't hate on the guy who steps into it while you don't because they just simply chose to do what you refuse to do. Come on, somebody. And so don't minimize the miracle that God wants to do in your life because you didn't understand the value of preparation. Go borrow more vessels from everywhere. Do not gather just a few. Look at that. Do not gather just a few because He's intimating you're going to get what you go for in life. You will determine the magnitude of your own miracle. Look, can I kind of say it like this for somebody? Your provision will be given in proportion to what you had faith to prepare for in advance. So just remember that. Number four, shut the door. Hey, man. Number four is shut the door. You know, Elijah says, now go in behind you, shut the door between, behind you and your sons. You know, can I just say you need to shut the door? You don't need an audience to authenticate what God's called you to do in this season. You don't need someone weighing in on all the things that God's called you to do because not everybody should have access to what you're working out in faith in this season. Because you got to understand, it's like you don't want anyone convincing you out of what God's called you to do. There are some things in life that will never start to flow until they start to go. I'm thinking of Mark chapter 5, is it where Jesus drives everyone out of the house? The miracle won't get up until they get out. You need to shut the door. And that's exactly what I believe is important that we shut the door here today because not everybody's going to have faith, you see. Just like they mocked Jesus dormant, just sleeping, the little girl, as if. And they they didn't have faith in the environment. And not everyone's going to have faith for the miracle that God wants to do in your life. Because sometimes, let's be honest, God calls us to the ridiculous if you want to see the miraculous. And therefore, people are going to look at you. And wh- one thing I know is you don't want someone standing over you in this season where God's trying to deliver you from a dire situation like this woman and casting doubt into what you're called to do, questioning everything that God said to you, looking at you like you're crazy for doing what you're doing, telling you all the reasons why it can't happen and why you're nuts. That's why somebody in here needs to learn how to shut the door. You know, my mom, she used to, I grew up on a, on a farm out in Manitik in Ottawa, and she used to say to me, Caleb, would you, she says, I can still hear her voice, Caleb, would you shut the door? Man, this isn't a barnyard. It was. The, 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 sorry, is, this house is not a barn. We lived in a barnyard. This is not a barn. And she goes, you're letting the flies in. You're letting the flies Caleb, Caleb, you just shut the door. This is not a barn. You're letting the flies in. And maybe for you, the door is not letting the flies in. But maybe for you, the door is letting the lies in. Because the enemy, see, in this, we live in a world, guys, where if i could say it like this in an overexposed world where we feel the need to overshare everything happening in our lives in our social media platforms we always want to collaborate with everyone crowdsource everything it's like all our lives just, we live in an open door policy we live with an open door just here's me everything about me in our eyes in our ears and i mouth, the doors to our we live with them wide open but sometimes you got to shut off you got to shut out the noise you got to shut out their opinions you got to shut out your neighbors you got to shut out all that stuff if you want, it's so vulnerable. And if I could say it like this, the reason you got to shut the door is because you're, you're going into the birthing suite where God's going to birth something prophetically for you. Come on, somebody. But you know what I learned is that you don't invite everyone into the delivery room with you. There's a special few that make the cut to come into the delivery room with you, into that birthing suite. Because you don't want anyone who gets queasy and lightheaded when you think going to get to messy, you know what I'm saying? They're going to get, oh jeez, and get all worked up about what's going on in your life when you try to bring this thing into the world. No, you want to make sure that you shut the door and that you've got people who, you know what, who are going to bring strength to your weakness, mop your brow and hold you up in faith. The kind of people that are say, you got this. Don't you lie down. You come up here and be all that God's created you to be. you got to shut the door. Reminds me of the story of Michelangelo in the, or not the Bible in history, 1501. You know the statue of David? Well, that was sitting, that statue had been worked on by several artists before Michelangelo, but no one could take the commission and turn it into a sculpture. So it sat there in the Florentine courtyard for 35 years. They called it the giant. It was a slab of marble sitting in the courtyard. No one touched it, until finally this real young, kind of flavorful upstart named Michelangelo, 27-year-old Michelangelo, came along. And by this point, the gossip had started because this thing had been started and stopped so many times that there became a bit of a, a, you know, a bit of a attention to it. And so as he started to work on it, he noticed that everyone was sitting over his shoulder advising him and commenting on the work. And so he had the people of the city erect a shed without a roof around the marble slab and he would go in behind the shed and then he started to chisel the work because he did not want to share his work until he had first a chance to shape his work. Sometimes you got to Shut the door. Don't share it until God's got first the chance to shape it. Shut the door. See, if you want to get your miracle, you got to be very careful who you let in on it. Somebody up in here has got a new relationship that's blossoming and blooming. Until you're ready for the public opinion, maybe keep it on the DL. Until you're ready to share that and waiting for people to criticize, waiting for people to leave a comment. You can't change them from posting. You can't stop them from disliking. You can't stop them from hating. You can't stop them from commenting. You can't stop people from running the news cycle. But you know what you can do? I've learned this. You can shut your door because it's your door that lets their voices in. I got off of social media three years ago because I could not observe it and not absorb it. And for somebody here, I feel like you just got a God drop. You just got the notion that says, yeah, delete, block, mute, unsubscribe, goodbye. I'm going to stand up in my miracle in Jesus' name. And we'll end here, we'll end here, sorry. But start to pour. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. And she poured it out. You know, here's the key. So many of us want a miracle, but we, you're not going to get a miracle by holding on to what you got. You got to pour it out. You got to pour it out. And here's the thing, I think we can, you can pray all you want, prophesy all you want. You can have meetings like this and praise all you want. But hear me this morning, you can't, God can't give you a miracle if you won't partner with him in faith. Faith requires a response. And so many of us go through life in hopes that God's gonna give us a miracle but neglect sowing the, the seed to your miracle. You gotta sow it if you want God to grow it. Meaning you gotta put your faith to work if you wanna experience a faith that works. God requires it to be poured out, oh, come on somebody, and I feel like there's somebody up in here you want more out of your marriage. You're not pouring into your marriage. You're not taking off, blocking off the date night. You're not talking. You're not connecting. Come on, how can you believe? How can, here's the word of the Lord you won't see more until you pour. You won't see more until you pour. There's somebody in here who wants more out of their life. You've got all these ideas. You've got all these gifts. You've got all these talents, but you don't pour any time into them. How can God bless you with more if you refuse to pour? There's somebody in here with a book inside them. And here's the thing. You want to be, you have a dream that God's called you to be a New York Times best-selling author, but here's the thing. How can God bless you to be that unless you take time to pour in pen to pages and pour into those pages and put pen to paper and begin to write the book? I know. See, because here's the thing. you got to write the book for God to bless Come on, carve out the time. There's somebody in here with a dream to start a business. You want to get out of the field that you're currently stuck in, but you got to pour into it. Have you poured any time into the business ideas? Have you poured any time into developing your business plan, open the bank account, register the company name? Hey, there's somebody in here who wants more to their friendships. Have you poured into those friendships? You're waiting for them to call you no friend. You don't get more until you pour. you got to pour if you want to see more. But I wonder what it is that's keeping you from pouring here today. aren't you pouring i wonder for you if maybe you poured everything you had in your last business and it still failed maybe you poured everything you had every last dollar you had into that creative idea and it still went nowhere maybe you poured your whole self into that last relationship and you still managed to get your heart broken i don't know who i'm speaking here today but maybe you poured everything you got and you said man what's the point of this so you held back your oil you stopped pouring you see but i hate to be the bearer of bad news here but if you refuse to pour see you also reject God's more. That doesn't mean I don't understand the dilemma and the pain that you've been navigating here this morning. But I need you to understand a biblical truth: that until you pour, you won't see more. But some of you are holding on, saying, "No, I'm only going to pour when I get more." But friend, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because I don't know if you knew this, but God isn't it like God to command you to pour something that you feel that you you don't have enough of? Isn't that just like God, I said, if they ask you to pour something, you don't even feel like you have enough of. And so God says, yeah, refresh, and you yourselves will be refreshed, right? Chris, is that what you said? Give, and it will be given. It's counterintuitive, but I suppose so is stepping out on a body of water to walk on water to defy the laws of nature. That's counterintuitive. When's the last time you saw someone do that? Or maybe building a boat like Noah without the earth ever seeing rain as of yet in history would be counterintuitive. Maybe what God calls us to in the dynamic of living a life by faith suggests that we sometimes we live a life contrary to what common sense would suggest. So, well, God will do what you can, friend. Well, sorry. Well, if you'll do what you can, God will do what you can. Is that not the saying? Well, Well, God will do what you can't. God will not do what you won't. You must pour if you want to see more. And last but not least, here this morning, verse six, so it came to pass when the vessels were full and she said to her son, bring me another vessel. She said, there's not another vessel. Now it came to pass. Did you get that? Now it came to pass. Somebody, this is a word for somebody. See the blueprint to your breakthrough. Now it came to pass, meaning this, that it did not come to stay. And there are some of you who feel like, man, this is gonna be the enemy. I'll never get out of this situation. I'll never make it out alive. I'm not gonna see myself get out of this health scenario. I'm never gonna get out of this, this financial debt that I find myself. No, friend, now it came to pass, it says, intimating, that it did not come to stay. And I prophesied to someone here this morning that something so significant is about to happen in your life. As you begin to put these principles into action, learn how to lean on the Lord. Know what you've got is significant. Put what you've got to work. Don't allow everyone access to what it is you're working on a faith. You must put your faith to work if you want to see a faith that works. And last but not least, bring me another vessel, God says, and I'll bring you another breakthrough. This is the key for someone. So, now what happened, when the vessels were full, she said, now bring me another vessel. He said, there's no other vessel. So the oil seized. Did y'all catch that? It says the oil seized only after, when, when they ran out of jars, right? No, no, no. It says, yeah, sorry, they ran out of jars, so the oil seized. It didn't say the oil seized while they had jars left over. That is paramount to my understanding here today. So in other words, the oil would have kept flowing and they kept bringing empties to them. That means that if, and the only requirement of God for, for him to fill the, the, jar was that it be empty, right? That means to somebody here today, that what God had in mind for this woman was never ending. Whatever she prepared for in faith is exactly what she got. You'll receive on the level of your expectation. And so what she's saying to the, to the woman was, if you'll create the, the need, if you'll create the space, if you'll create the container, Harvest Christian Village, and push back these walls, God will fill it in Jesus' name. What he's trying to say is, if you'll bring me something that's empty, I'll take it and I'll fill it. If you say my marriage is void of purpose and it's no longer got the love, bring it to me and I'll fill it. If you say I don't have love for my career anymore and I feel void of purpose, bring it to me and I'll fill it. If you say I don't feel like I have self-esteem or strength anymore on the other side of this pandemic, come to me in Jesus' name. Because if you'll bring me the vessel, I'll bring you the breakthrough. If you'll bring me your, your family, I'll bring you the breakthrough. If you'll bring me your sickness, I'll bring you the breakthrough. Come on, who's this for you today? Would you give God a praise? If he did it once, he can do it again. If he did it back then, he can do it now. And wasn't it Samson Church? Wasn't it Samson that said, God, he, he ruined his, his strength with the gift that he had because of, of the lifestyle that he led. But remember, after a time, he's chained up in the temple of the Philistines, and he says, God, if you would, fill me once again with your strength. And God granted him his wish, and fill, if God can do it for him once again, you say, I'm depleted, I'm empty. Perfect conditions, friend. He can do it again in Jesus' name. And here's where it ends. So then she came out, God filled up her pots. She went and told the man of God, and he says, now go, sell the oil and pay off your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. Hear this woman? She was so short-sighted. She was just trying to work off her debt. But God was working to work out her destiny. Some of you are still thinking, man, if I could just get right God with God, you're only thinking like this. Forgiveness. God has got so much more for you than forgiveness here today. Not only will he pay off the debt, not only will he forgive you, not only are you still worth every second of his time, I want you to know something here today, that he's got your whole destiny worked out. He wants to give Because you see, 2,000 years ago, friend, there was a God-fearing man, a prophet of God, part of the school of, a group of prophets named Jesus that died on a cross. And he left us a little bit of oil in the house, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit, And he said, now come on, I paid off your debts and I left you behind an abundance of my Holy Spirit so that you could go and you could live and you could have all that you need pertaining to life and to godliness. This Holy Spirit is the empowerment of God to go get a whole new lease on life. Come on, am I speaking to anybody here today? So yeah, friend, you need to go get your own miracle. The Holy Spirit is here and present today. Don't undervalue the measure of the Holy Spirit that God's given you, the measure of faith that He's granted each of you. I want you to know if you'll begin to lean on the Lord, not look to others, if you'll begin to put these principles into practice here today, God's gonna do exceedingly abundantly above and empower you to go and experience God in a way that. is isn't amazing. She gets her miracle. But it's in the absence, it's in the absence of Elisha. I think it couldn't be more paramount that that happened that way. Want to know why? Because in that moment, she would have realized that God is all that she needed. Not to say that we not be led by leaders. Don't read what I'm saying wrong. God establishes godly leadership. But understand, it would have created the dependence that she, it would have created and showed her that she could be dependent on God and know that he's good for it. Come on, I feel like God wants to solidify that revelation in here for somebody. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this gathering here today. God, would you do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask think, or imagine? God, would you bless this house? Would you use it to go far beyond its reach and its borders here today in Cornwall? God, I thank you that, Father, what you're doing in this house is you're empowering a generation of leaders to stand up and to take forth the gospel of Jesus into the world. Father, boldly declaring the truth of your word. God, I thank you that the oil that you put in this house, may we learn how to put it to work, may we not be a dependent people who look to everybody else to do for us. What you want to do through us, God? Would you help us to step into the fullness of what you have and into the more of God in Jesus' name? And everybody said together, "Amen." Just a quick moment, and we'll just do a quick altar call here, or a moment of just invitation. But maybe you're here today. Can I just grab you all to grab a seat, just real quick, just so I can see the hands? Forgive me. But maybe you're here today, and you've never known Jesus for yourself. I want you to know something just shy of 40 years old and I this is a job I said I would have never done with my life but the crazy thing is I had an encounter with Jesus at 18 19 years old that changed my life forever and my life has been so rich on account of knowing him my life has not been perfect it's not been without trouble or trial it hasn't been without challenge but boy has he changed me to know that no matter what it is, if I can leave you with anything as, as I leave this place, is that you can access Jesus to help you in ways that a man of God, a, a pastor, or a, a pro, no one can have the ability to help you the way that Jesus can help you. And friend, I want you to know that he's an ever-present help in your time of need. He's a friend that is closer than a brother. And maybe in here today at the sound of my voice, you've never known the love of God over your own life. Friend, I want you to know that there is no condemnation for anybody. God is not holding your past over your present. He is a God who doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Jesus loves you, friend. And the Bible says that he died on a cross and died on your behalf so that you could have his righteousness on account of what he did, not what you did. You're not righteous and right with God because of what you did. You're righteous on account of what he did on the cross. So you say, well, I did this and I did that. It doesn't matter what you did. All you have to do is come to Jesus and recognize that He performed in the way that you can't. He went before God and, and, and acted right. He lived right. He is It's on His obedience, not your obedience. His right living, not your right living. And on account of Him, He makes us right with God and gives us access to God the Father. Friend, I don't know if that's good news for somebody here today, but I believe it's the greatest news that today you can know without any doubt in your mind that God is with you and for you with every head bowed every eye closed just for a moment if that's you in this place say Caleb I need to know Jesus in this place would you lift your hand up say Caleb that's me I want to know Jesus I want to come into a relationship with him I've never known him I've never known his goodness I've never known his grace and today I want to come into a relationship with him and everybody here today say that's me just simply raise your hand up just quickly in this place I would love nothing more than just to quickly pray with you come on amen yes okay I see that hand thank you so much that's amazing You can put your hand right back down, mate, thanks. Anybody else here, just for a moment, you say, I've never known Jesus and I'd like to get right with God here today. Friend, it's not about you, it's all about him. And therefore, you can come boldly and freely here today and be yourself completely. You don't have to hide or disguise your dysfunction. You don't have to hide your hurts. You can come before him and know that he loves you and accepts you just the way you are. He died 2,000 years ago for you. If there's anybody else here, Caleb, say, that's me, would you pray for me? Just slip your hand right up in the air real quick and we'll get you out of here. Can I get everyone to pray with me in case you didn't raise your hand? I want you to know something, that God sees the heart. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone praying this prayer, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming in my place 2,000 years ago, for taking all my failure and faults, my law-breaking and sinning, upon yourself, so that I might receive your goodness, your grace, your undeserved love in and through my life. Jesus I believe in you would you come and be my savior from this day forward Holy Spirit come and have your way in me lead me and guide me into all truth in Jesus name and everybody said come on amen and amen well Harvest Christian Fellowship thank you so much for having me here today on behalf of my church and Jules and I we just love you guys I pray you go in God's grace worship team I'll leave it to you
2: Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. Done.
0: we just seal this word to every heart. Lord, we want more, so we're going to pour. Father, we thank you that we're limited only by, Lord, our own faith. Lord, you are limitless. Lord, today we just receive this word, Lord, into the womb of this house that we would birth as a house. Lord, just principle. the Lord, no matter how small we think it is, Lord, you can do the miracle that breaks forth. We thank you for a breaking forth miracle. I want you to stretch your hands just before we go today toward uh, Pastors uh, Julie and Caleb right now. Father, we thank you for this amazing couple that obeyed you. Lord, that uh, though, as Pastor Caleb said, it would be the last thing he thought he would see himself doing, it was the first thing you saw him doing. And then you brought Julie, you placed them together. Lord, as you placed these Two into the yoke. You place these two, Lord, where one puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand. Lord, there's been a, a season where the enemy has tested their metal. But Lord, like that, like that plane that's been, the, every rivet's tested, so because it's been designed to go Mach 1, Mach 2, Mach 3. Lord, they've been designed, Father, in the nation's capital to bring a breakthrough, to bring a Holy Spirit miracle environment breakthrough. Lord, we thank you that where there has been limitations, those limitations come off now in Jesus' name. Where there's been lack, there is plenty. Lord, where uh, leaders haven't quite gotten it, they're getting it like never before. Lord, and that leadership base, as incredible as it is today, is increasing for tomorrow. Increasing, Father, for the days that are ahead. Lord, we stand... Lord, in partnership with this house, my church, Lord, believing, God, that their best days are ahead and they are greater and bigger than they can imagine, than they have dreamed about or even prayed for. We believe that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.